Welcome to the Puzzle is Real podcast, where we will be discussing faith, family, and relationships. Hosted by Matt and Melissa Pisani. This is the Puzzle is Real podcast. When you know, you know. Yo, 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 we are back. Welcome to the Puzzle is Real, y'all. Yeah, we're in the South now, so I feel like I can say y'all. Is it too soon? No, but if I say it, <laughs> it just sounds like I'm in the witness You're protection like, y'all. program. Hey, y'all, how you doing? How you been? They're like, whoa, what's this guy doing here with his hair slicked back and a white tee on? Oh, man. Um, we're having a lot of fun in Charleston, in the holy city. Love it, y'all. Come Can't visit. Wait. Can't it's wait for everyone to visit. Holla at your boy. Holla at your girl. So we've got a fun topic tonight, today, this morning, whenever it's you're deep. listening. Sober living. What does it look like? How does it impact your family and friends and strangers? And, and how can it bless those around you if you take that leap of faith to say, hey, I want to start fresh with a clean slate? Right. I think, you know, as you grow and mature, if I would have talked to my 20-something-year-old self, you know, it's like you do things because of your influences or because of loneliness or anxiety. So I really want to dive deep into the root of why we do what we do, you know, whether it's socially or whether it's an addiction or a problem. So today we're talking about sobriety and what that looks like for Matt and I. You know, we both have different stories. And just for those of you who don't know, my backstory, Matt's backstory, we're going to kind of just briefly go over that and then talk about, you know, how we live our life today and why. Yeah, for me, you know, at age eight, I was at a wedding in Maryland for a family member and um, I noticed everyone was drinking champagne. Everyone was dancing, so I just kind of went around the table while everyone wasn't there and sipped their champagne and I got drunk for the first time and... um, that was my first experience. And I remember my mom. That's you know, crazy. Eight yeah, years old. Coming up to me, what did you just do? And I was like, I tried the drinks. And um, man, I was not feeling good the next day. So, media content, you know, back in the 80s leading up to today, drinking is always celebrated as the norm. You know, whether it was a Spud McKenzie dog and a Bud Light commercial or movies that showed young people, adolescents getting drunk and then having lots of fun. And, and, and humor is always tied into it, too. So, it, it looks enticing. It looks like it's something that you should do and that makes you feel good. But what does it lead to? And that's usually not a good outcome. Well, feel good, I think, for the moment. I think when you, and those of you who know, when you drink too much, you don't feel good. You right. feel miserable. You feel terrible. You feel like regret, shame, condemnation, all these things. You feel dirty. Um, you can't function the next day. So make bad choices. Yeah, you make bad choices because yeah. your mind is not pure. It's not in the right mindset. Um, so that's you know that's when Matt started. I think I started drinking. Um, really because of my older sister, I guess. <laughs> right. So an influence. Right? An influence. So I used to go to parties with her and different things, and um, that's when I was exposed to it. So it's like you don't realize that you have an impact of those who are around you and people are watching. And if someone older than you that you respect, that you look up to is like, hey, just try this and you try it and then that's where it begins. So one thing is you need to surround yourself with people who are not going down um, 
I guess those negative paths. But when you're young, you don't realize because like Matt said, the way that things are marketed and how it's sold to you is it's fun. It's exciting. This is just what you do. It's part of life. It's part of culture. Um, so flash forward or fast forward, not flash forward. Well, I like that. You just gave us like a... <laughs> I know, flash <laughs> forward. It's just like a vivid light, yes? Yes. So for me, it really was just... I guess more social, I would go out, drink with my friends, but then there are many times where I drank way too much, made really bad decisions, and definitely regretted a lot of things. Um, But by the grace of God, I am on the other side of that, and I never had a problem. That was the thing. Like, I was the person that didn't have the problem, I had everything under control, and I could have one drink and be fine. I didn't have to have two, three, four, five. Sometimes it turned into that, but it wasn't consistently like that. But it wasn't until I would say my late 20s, early 30s. And I was in the restaurant business, you know, my whole adolescence into my 20s, into my 30s. So I was around liquor. I was around, you know, the party scene for many, many years. And that's just what you did. And so I bartended for a while, so I was definitely drinking when I was bartending, drinking after, socially, and then I got into sales and I was selling wine and liquor, so it was a big part of my life. Like that was a huge part of my life. So I not only did it socially, but I'm now selling it. And as I, I guess, started to just have different convictions and grow in my faith and really commit my life to the Lord, that's when... I started feeling the heaviness and the burden to release those things and to say, you know what, this is not what I want. This is not how I want to make my living anymore. Because now I'm bartending, I'm seeing people get drunk in front of me and it used to never bother me because it was just what happens on a Friday, Saturday night. But then there were these nights where I would just literally, it was almost like slow motion in the movies where things are just slowed down and you're watching every little detail. And I feel like God did that for me to really expose what is happening in those Mm. moments that I was feeding these people this poison that makes people act crazy in different ways. It's literally a poison. That's why we, (laughs) that's why we get drunk because our bodies are trying to like process it. So you Um, vomit all over yourself. Yeah. Cause your body's rejecting it. It's not healthy. It's not good. Um, and listen, I'm not trying to condemn people who drink. This is just my own personal experience and yeah, this my story. Is a, our, our opinion, our perspective, our conviction. Yeah, but I feel like it, it's just, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be shared because you know what? Being me not now, I guess now it's been over six years, almost seven years of not having a drink. And yeah. I haven't looked back. And I would have never thought that. If you would have told me this, 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I'm never going to have a drink again. That's ridiculous. Because I didn't have a problem. Yep. But the Lord just stripped that away from me. And now being a wife and a mom, I never want to be the mom that sees, that my children see grab a glass of wine right. or make myself a cocktail and make it the norm in our household. I never want that for them because I don't want that life for them because I know where that life leads. And it's never, it's never good. Yeah, I think social drinking is the gateway to alcoholism and addiction um, within a family lineage. I mean, my family on both sides, my mother and father's side, generational alcoholism, straight yeah. up. Like, you know, it was just the norm. And and this is something that needs to be broken, and it's broken by the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that will break it. I don't believe that there's any other way to break it permanently for the next generation and I've seen it in my own life. You know, there's 
a point where you look back and you say, wow, look what God has redeemed me from, but also what he has transformed me into. And now walking into bars, walking into liquor stores, being around people that drink still, I never have a salivating like feeling of like, oh man, I need that drink. Oh wow. That's the blood of Jesus. That's yeah. the that's the opportunity to say, no, that has been broken and that has been paid for. That sin, that addiction has been put at the cross. And this is for the church folks now, for our fellow brothers and sisters and Lord that might be dabbling, you know, like if you're on that fence and you're like, man, like I, I think I'm drinking a little more than I should be, right? There's there's a big part of like this where it's it's the gray area where we know we have friends that drink and we would never judge them or call them out and say, hey, but if I saw one of my friends was getting drunk, of mm-hmm. course I'm going to say, hey, like, what are you doing, man? Your body's a temple and, and what are you doing? You're, you're now, you're going down that road. You know, drunkenness is not something that we as believers are supposed to be walking in and everything else can be a deeper conversation, right, when it comes to having a drink. But why just have a drink? Yeah. Because it opens up a doorway to the next one. And then all right. of a sudden you get to that buzz, to that feeling of, oh, I feel just a little edge off. I just feel a little bit numb. And now the enemy's got you where he wants you, right? Your, your thoughts wander. Um, your words start to slip out. The words that you probably shouldn't have said to someone around you and so on and so forth. So I was the extreme of all of that. So I can say this in humility that it's just not worth it. And when you do have a family, you realize, wow. I don't want my kids having that that spirit of alcoholism on them. Yeah. That's already been broken. So I'm going to be militant to, to pray for them and that when they do get older and they have free will, that they just won't have that desire. And if they fall, I'll be there to help redirect them. So, you know, we can't control those situations, but we can be that person that they look at to see that, hey, I'm having a lot of fun drinking my Shirley Temple, you know? And, you know, of course, there's there's things that, we discuss that are more deeper about that as you know, as a parent, but the actual social drinking atmosphere didn't just lead me to being a crazy party animal alcoholic. It led me into smoking weed, smoking you know weed probably more than I ever thought I would because I thought that was for stoners and hippies and dirt bags and you know there were always titles that you gave it. And then it was, I'll never do coke because that's for real losers. And all of a sudden, what did that lead me to? Alcohol led me to cocaine abuse. So there's no one that I've met who has drank for an extended period of time that didn't do something that was more than what they signed up for, whether it's, you know, the walk of shame, hooking up with somebody, right? Now we're getting real, doing bad stuff with other people, and if you know what I mean for our younger listeners. Um, And then you have, of course, straight-up addictions, things that, oh, I'm going to start gambling now because I'm drunk and I end up at a casino, or I'm going to start doing, you know, things that I usually wouldn't do unless I was having a drink, but your body starts craving these things. Your brain starts saying, you need another one. Your lips and your mouth and everything about your body is now saying, give me more. And the enemy's having a field day with you because you are not operating with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not operating with the authority in Jesus Christ. And this is what we're trying to hammer home to friends, family, and listeners that be open and alert. Like we are in times where we need to be on our A game as followers of Jesus. And when you start getting distracted with another drink, man, you're going to miss the big opportunities to be used by God when you're called into His purpose and, and fulfilling His calling, right? And you're also going to miss out on ministering to those around you if you're caught in that stupor or you're caught in that sluggish, like, oh, 
just want to have more wine or I just want to have a little bit more beer. So we also want this to be almost like a a wake-up call to shake people, to be like, hey, if you're wrestling with this, like talk to someone you trust and say, hey, I need prayer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I've been in this rut. Because I know a lot of people can feel shame and condemnation when they fall into that rut. They don't know who to talk to. No judgment here. We know many people that have gone down that road and they just start over again. You just repent and you move on. But it also is a physical connection to saying, I'm going to get the stuff out of my house. If you're mm-hmm. holding excessive amounts of liquor and alcohol and claiming it's just for cooking or, you know, and everyone's got their own justification for this stuff. Everyone's an adult. But again, we're called not to be of the world, right? We're called to be people that are literally, we're here, but we're of the kingdom of God. We're, we're, we're from another bloodline. So when we're doing these things, people are watching us. How can I lead a nonprofit that's about cleaning your slate and then on the weekends have a corona? It would make no sense. People would be like, this guy's a hypocrite. Exactly. He said he's sober, says he's a Christian, a man of God, he's got mm-hmm. a wife and kids, and he's sitting at the bar drinking a corona. So it's also imagery. What we put out there is then going to be perceived and received by others of what it's defined to be a man and woman of God. So if we're doing things that emulate the world, then people are going to think, well, that guy didn't really change. He's the same Matt he was 15 years ago. Exactly. Yeah, and it's so funny. As Matt was sharing, I was thinking of different things, and he's literally saying them as I'm thinking them. (laughs) Like, this happens to us all the time, where we just... Message. Yep, we do it all the time, because God put us together, which is amazing. But yeah, you know, a few points that Matt had touched upon was, if we're going to do something that's going to make someone else stumble or someone else think that it's okay to do because even though we don't have a problem, the younger person watching you and saying, oh, well, they're a Christian. They've been a Christian for X amount and they do ministry. They do that. They're only having a drink. I could do that. You know, what kind of example are we setting? And for me as a mom, as just a mentor to younger people in general, I never want to do something that could hurt someone's future in that way and we're supposed to be clear vessels for the holy spirit to work through us and when we're not of a sober mind um god can't work through us we're not doing his will when we're constantly feeding the flesh and drinking to me in my humble opinion is feeding the flesh there's no other reason to do it if it's because it relaxes you if it's because you are socially awkward well then you have to find another way to deal with that because if we're constantly self-medicating in different ways, whether it's an anxiety pill or it's a drink or it's, you know, who knows? Something that's a drug, essentially. It's not good. And the one thing that's really been bothering me now that I'm a mom, I'm seeing the mom culture being the wine mom culture. Oh, yeah. It's and like they're meeting up at play. Happy hour afternoons, yeah. yeah. They're meeting up, having these play dates, drinking their wine in their sippy cup. I'm sorry. To me, that is like, that's disgusting to me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know this is harsh, but I just, I just don't understand it because you're supposed to be watching your kids. You're in a public place, but yet you're drinking your wine. That to me is insanity. And it just, I just don't fit in with a lot of the the mommy groups because they might look at me as a legalist or extreme or whatever. But you know what? I'm sorry. That's just who I am, and God has changed me. He has transformed me, and I've had friends of mine saying, oh, well, do you look down on me now because I still drink? I'm like, no. Listen, this is your own. That's your life. That's your conviction. I have a personal conviction for my life, how I want to live with my, you know, 
I don't know how I want to live my life. And that's the choice that I've made. And God has just taken away those desires. So I love going to bed feeling great and waking up feeling great. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, that's big because I think you're right on with when it comes to the moms and the dads that are um, drinking while on the clock. You know, like you, you have a responsibility for your kids and you're like trying to, you know, self-medicate usually, right? What's what's one of the reasons we, we drink in certain seasons of life? It's because we're trying to deal with something, right? It's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. And we talk about our health and well-being. I mean, one of the best things that came out of, like, not drinking and, and giving up drinking for me was I dropped a ton of weight. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, like, it's healthy. You start drinking a lot, all those guys out there, and you know, I've been there, I got pictures, your cheeks start puffing up, you know, the blood vessels start popping, you look like a whole different person. You get the mm-hmm. nice rosy bud cheeks, you know, you look oh, like you've yeah. been sitting at the old pub having a couple too many pints there, Nice you know? and puffy. <laughs> I think at my heaviest, I was 220. Wow. I looked like a whole different person. Double mm-hmm. X shirts, waist was 36 and change. It's it's really not a healthy lifestyle because what happens when you start drinking too much? Once in a while you get drunk and where do you end up? The Taco Bell drive through So there's also some things that we have to think about with our health. And again, I'm talking also to the church right now, to the fellow friends of ours and brothers and sisters in the Lord out there all over the world that might be wrestling with this stuff and no one's ever like brought it to your attention mm-hmm. and everyone's always like well Jesus drank wine Jesus's first miracle was turning right? water like, into wine always, you know we always go back to some of these moments in the Bible about you know where well they were drinking it's listen we're talking about drunkenness is a, it's a dangerous slope that you could fall into we're talking about an addiction that is gonna um, impair you right I could be addicted to ice cream and yes I could get diabetes and I could get overweight and possibly go into a sugar coma. But I can't crash my car after pounding three milkshakes. And, well, yeah. You know. That was the other point I was going to bring up is safety. It's like you're drinking, but then you're going to get in a car. And how many deaths of car accidents do you hear about every year? I think from the age group, twenty, I think it's like 18 to 25. It's like the third leading cause of death is car accidents from being you know, drunk, from drunk drivers. So no one really talks about that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a few like takeaways that I think of with all this is like again, not to um this is our passion because we love people and we see people's purpose and we see their value and we see that they have so much to offer this world. Mm-hmm. So when we see that there are just strangers out there that look miserable, they're you know smothering themselves in alcohol, it it breaks our heart. We want to see people delivered and free yeah. by the power of the Holy Spirit and and the blood of Jesus. So. We share all this with passion. It's not to condemn anyone. It's not to make anyone feel like what they're doing is wrong. It's to say, hey, like we love people and we. Well, because we've been there. Like right. we've been in those in those shoes before. And like we're we in under- freedom. Yeah. So it's like I'm not talking from lack of experience. Like we both have been the partiers. We've done it. Yeah. Matt was a little bit more extreme than I was, but I still had some extreme nights. And now it's like I don't even recognize that person because God has transformed me in so many ways and it's just it's it's freedom people think that oh it's restricting when you give this up and it's not going to be fun but you know what go look at menus now when you go to restaurants there's always a mocktail list there's oh I I order them all the time and they're delicious and you don't miss the alcohol because you still feel like it's like a fun drink and 
if you're trying to hide it from people that you don't drink, I mean, there's ways to do it. Um, and I've mentioned this um, on other episodes too. It's everyone's always worried about their social life going down the tubes if they quit drinking. Don't let the enemy put that lie in your head because I remember God restored, renewed, redeemed, redirected me, and then provided a whole new circle of great friendships. That's exactly what I was just going to say. I said, <laughs> as you're saying it, yeah, I mean, your circle's going to change as you change, and that's clear, and that's good, and that's okay. So just be prepared for what God has for what God has for you as you seek him on these things and you give these burdens to him and you say, Lord, take away anything that is not serving you, anything that's not going to leave me to be the clear vessel that you want me to be to fulfill the calling that is and purpose that's on my life. And I think that's the bigger take home. It's not, oh, you have to start drinking today and you shouldn't even have one glass of wine. It's really, God, take away anything that is stopping me or that is an idol for me. That's good. Yeah. So, so Lord, we just pray for everyone that's listening that you'll just highlight to them what's the thing that they have a conviction over or even an addiction to that you want to release. We know that for us, drinking was highlighted and drunkenness and, and you've delivered us from that and you've even just renewed us and, and given us a heart for others that might be trying to let go of the same type of issue. So we just pray mm-hmm. that you would just allow them to feel love from this episode and just even just receive your word, your living word, and just even open up to the scripture that they need to read to be reminded of that there is still a hope and a future for them, that there is a, an opportunity for them to, to start fresh. So we thank you. And we're excited for the praise reports that come from this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love y'all. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Puzzle is Real podcast. Please subscribe today and share with a friend. See you soon.